We continue talking about flourishing in exile by celebrating the fruit of the Spirit. Can I invite you to open your Bibles, please, to something different than published in the bulletin. I was traveling all week, and uh, as I traveled, my, I felt a change of plans. So could you open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 15. And I'd like to ask, have your permission to, to continue to, to push a little harder than I have about this idea of living a cultivated life in a circus of distractions. My meetings were in Southern California, and it was just interesting for me. Uh, I was there all, pretty much all week, and uh, at one particular place where we drove, drove from Los, Los Angeles down to San Diego, there were, there were 18 lanes of cars. So, not, so there were seven rows on both sides and then special lanes if you paid extra money. And I was in the second lane on the right going 75 miles an hour, and there were 18 rows of car, lanes of cars. And as I was watching people around their phones, they were talking, they were doing all kinds of things, and I just thought, oh boy, is that a picture of American culture today? I saw more cars in five days in Southern California than I'll see in a year in Iowa. Uh, everywhere I went, there was noise, there were televisions, there were people on phones, it was just loud everywhere, hotels, restaurants, uh, everywhere we went, it was, it was crazy. So my sentence is, how do we cultivate a life with God in a in a circus of distractions. And I think, I feel as though I'm gonna be pushing upstream a lot because um, it's easy not even to be mindful of how overcome we are by all these circus of distractions. Is that fair? So you're gonna look at me like, oh, this guy's getting older and older and older. <laughs> yes, I am. My dad says when you get to be 70, as a preacher, you lose your filter. I got five years, <laughs> then you're really in trouble. Um, anyhow, what I want to I keep reinforcing this idea. So what I'm trying to ask us to do as flourishing exiles is to say, Lord, how can we live a flourishing life? I mean, a life that just bears good fruit, that's, that's beautiful and it's winsome and people, people want to be with us or be around us because they sense the presence of Jesus. So how do we flourish in a place when we are so distracted. And, I'm, I'm, and, I, I'm, and so I, I don't know how to sound, that, that, it's like walking like this, right? Because we need our technologies, we need social media, we need all these things, absolutely. But what I'm concerned about is we are not so, um, how do I say this well? The fruit of the Spirit really reflect the character of Jesus. You cannot develop the character of Jesus unless you learn to cultivate your life. Cultivation, as a city person looking at farmers, takes a long time, but it's intentional. And what I want to poke at in these next weeks around the fruit of the Spirit is these are character, these are, these are about developing the character of Jesus. But, but it, 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 so can we push? But it's going to be hard work because something's going to have to change. We can't live at the same rate and pace we're living in with the, the multitude of good options, but sometimes not so good options, which leave us so distracted that I'm afraid that we aren't mindful of the presence of Jesus who wants to fill us to, with his character and heart. And what I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of is that we, are, we have opportunities to flourish in exile 
or I'm afraid we're going to die in exile. And so a little bit of me feels like I'm being a little more prophetic than I have been, but I don't want to come across negative. So that's my tension. So can I just admit that to you and pray your prayer for me? Okay, John 15. Now look at John 15. And I want to, I want to fo- we're focusing on joy this morning. So before we look at specific verses in John 15 and 16 on joy, I want to tell you what joy is in the New Testament. So slide three, please, Jim. So the the word joy is kara, C-H-A-R-A. Now look, this is the biblical definition of joy. It is to delight in God for the sheer beauty of who he is. It's opposite. The opposite of biblical joy is hopelessness or despair. The counterfeit is an elation, an emotion that is based on experiencing blessings. This feels good. This is awesome. I like it. Rather than on the blesser, which leads to enormous mood swings. So I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. And joy focuses on who God is. So that, that's going to be the challenge. Now, so this, you see where this cultivated life comes in? To cultivate a life with God, we have, to, we have to start thinking and opening our hearts to who God is. And I'm going to end up with Psalm 98, and I'm going to surprise you, I hope, where we end up. But let's go look. Now, let's look for joy. No, next slide. I'm sorry. Give me the next one, too. This, this is interesting. This is written by Rick Warren. Let me tell you a little bit of story. This is his definition of joy. Listen, after his son committed suicide. So here's this famous, wonderful, awesome, world-changing pastor and wife whose youngest son committed suicide. This is his definition of joy. Go back one slide, please, real quick. Joy means to delight in God for the sheer beauty of who he is. Next slide. So this is Rick Warren's definition. Joy is the settled assurance. He's decided, he's settled it, that the Lord Jesus is in control of all the details of my life. Joy is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be okay. And joy is the determined choice, decision to praise him in every situation. That's joy. So joy focuses on who God is. So you see why a cultivated life is important? If we don't know who God is, then we go for the counterfeit, which, hey, life feels good. Oh, my life stinks. Hey, it's really, and then we're on this all the time. Joy, listen, you can have joy when your son dies. You can have joy when you're fired from your job. You can have joy when your partner says, I'm divorcing. You can have joy in any and every situation. In the Philippians passage that I was going to use, but I did not, rejoice in the Lord in every situation. Because joy is not about feelings and emotions. It is a mindfulness of who God is. Well, let me just show you. John 15. Look at verses 8 through 11. I read this last week. I tried to make, let you see where this abiding in the vine stuff is located. John 15, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. Look at the three phrases. How do we glorify God? We bear fruit, and then what happens? People know we're disciples of Jesus. So what's he saying? You prove you're a disciple of Jesus if people see in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This proves that we are disciples, followers, apprentices of Jesus. So again, I've said this to you last week. People often say, do you think he or she is saved? Meaning an eternal relationship with Jesus. And I say, I don't know. But I do look for fruit. So someone came to church every Sunday for 60 years, and if there is no love and joy and peace and patience, why would I say I'm not sure if they're a believer? Because if you are a disciple of Jesus, you will bear fruit, and people will know. This isn't a secret. So the joy, love, joy, is something that comes when people are totally mindful of who God is. Now, interesting, as an aside, jump into next week. You know what St. Paul does 18 times? He puts joy and peace side by side. Think about this. If the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Caring, put the, other, the good of others above ourselves. That's the character of Jesus. If you have joy, what will you also have? Peace. If you don't have peace, you probably don't have joy. What is joy? It is celebrating, elevating the goodness and beauty of God. Listen to this now. A.W. Tozer, John Calvin, many others. Listen, listen to this. The single most important thing about any person is what he or she thinks about God. How we understand God affects how we live. And so joy is connected to the beauty of this God. So, verse 10. He says, If you keep my commands you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, now here's a purpose clause, whenever you see so that, here's the reason, my joy may be in you, and your joy may be, what's the next word? There should be a ton of joy. How does joy come? It is mindful, elevating the beauty and the goodness of who Jesus is. What you think about God determines how we all live. So what he's saying is, if you can focus on the beauty of who God is, that is the key to celebrating his presence in your life. Look at the next verse. It goes on. My command is this, that you, have lo that I, as you love each other as I have loved you. Now hold your finger there. Turn over to chapter 16. And look at verses 20, 20 21, and 22. So you're heading in verse 16 is the disciples' grief will turn to joy. Verse 20. Very truly I tell you, in the old King James, verily, verily I say to you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. He's referring to his crucifixion. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Now he gives an example. Now I'm going to take it to be true because I'm a man, but let's read verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time, the time of birth, has come. 
But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that the child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. This is after he dies and rises. And you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Can I have this? Jim, can I have slide uh, uh, two again? Three, I'm sorry, three. Here it is. Go back one, I'm sorry. There you go. He's saying, if your, your joy cannot be taken if you delight in the beauty of who God is. Your God is. Now, you see why a cultivated life is so important? It is working the soul of your heart and your mind so that we increasingly think about who this one is. I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, word-filling, spirit-filling, fruit-bearing. Uh, this has been my practice recently, uh, quite, a, quite a little bit. When, when someone you love is closing to, to coming close to death, I'll make this recommendation if, if you'd be open to it. I'll recommend that you read the Gospels out loud to the person who is dying. Why? Because it's the person who is dying who may be in a coma, many believe even in comas here, hear the words of Jesus. We who read hear the words of Jesus. In the process of transitioning from this life to the next, what I'm inviting families to do is to say, we want to be mindful to delight in the beauty of who God is. Because when you close your eyes here, when you open them, you will see Jesus. See, this, the, the whole, everything, every, all of life comes back to we are born and we will die. And in between, there's a dash. In that dash, we are invited to develop a cultivated life, a life that carries the, the fruit and the person and the goodness, the character of Jesus, so that, so that people can see we actually are his disciples. And what happens? We give him glory. We give him glory by bearing fruit. Let me give you another sentence again. Word-filling, spirit-filling leads to fruit-bearing. I got some pushback after the first service because I said this, and I've said now this two weeks in a row. Listen carefully. I don't think it's possible to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, if you are not being filled with the words of God and the Spirit of God. Now listen, what I didn't make clear is this. The Holy Spirit can give us spiritual gifts. He can give. The word for gifts is charismata. And I believe this is what the Lord often does. Here's my ring. If the Lord so chooses and wants to give you a spiritual gift, he gives you a gift, a charismata, that just for a moment, you wear, you have, you, it's called the spirit upon, and you carry something of the spirit for some kind of missional purpose, for something for Christ and his kingdom. But listen now, but the fruit doesn't work that way. You have to cultivate your heart. You and I have to create space in the lives of, in the midst of all these distractions so that we start to develop the character of Jesus. Interesting thing happened to me last night. I've been, I've been sick um, for a little while. And um, we had a little birthday party for one of our granddaughters. And so our son, Clay, and they, I was coughing quite a little bit. And Clay came over with his youngest little girl who was about a year, year and a half. And he, he held her on his lap 
And, and he said, her name is Coda. He said, Coda, when I was a little boy, my dad put his hands on me and prayed for me. Coda, will you help pray for Grandpa? Because Grandpa's not feeling very well. My son prayed that I would be healed enough to speak today. But what I'm trying to communicate is, my son has caught at least a part of my character. And my character, I hope, is like Jesus' character. You want to know what kind of a person I am? Look at the people who live with me. You want to know the kind of person I am? Ask the people who work with me. Because they see my character. We cultivate the fruit. We cultivate so that we look like, we act like Jesus. So it's not like, I'm going to be joyful today. No, you're a woman or a man of joy. I'm going to be loving today. No, you're not. You are a person of love. It is the character of Christ in you that comes out. Let me go, okay, am I, am I beating this dead horse in the ground enough here? <laughs> Follow me? Okay, let, let's go back, Jim, slide three again. Here we go. Kara means to delight in the sheer beauty of who God is. Now, turn over to Psalm 90, 98. So let, let me just mess with you first before we go to Psalm 98. And I'd like you just to look for the word. I'm going to point out the word joy in Psalm 95, 96, 98, and 100. Just look for the word joy. I'll point it out to you. Just find it in your Bible. 95, 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Psalm 96, verse 11. Let the heavens rejoice or be filled with joy. Let the earth be glad, verse 12. Let the fields be joyful or jubilant. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice or have joy before the Lord. Verse, uh, chapter 97, Psalm 97. Let the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores be joyful or rejoice. Verse 8. Zion hears and is joyful or rejoices. And the villages of Judah are glad. Same word. Psalm 97, verse 11. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his name. 98, verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant songs of joy with music. Verse 6. With trumpets and blasts of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Verse 8. Let the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing together for joy. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Slide three again. What's joy? It is celebrating who God is. So what are the Psalms saying? The creation is celebrating who God is. And I'll explain why in a minute. They're celebrating. What does Romans 8 say? All of creation is waiting and is groaning in eager expectation, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. They're groaning for the kingdom to come. So Psalm 95, 96, 98, 99, 100 are all talking about joy. What's the joy about? To delight 
in the goodness of God. But what's really interesting, what they're delighting in is who God is and what God has done. So time out. What is your image of God? Is the God that you think about, the God you pray to, the God you have relationship with, does that one make your heart sing? See, this is why what we think about God is so critical. So in our tribe, the Reformed tribe growing up, we got total depravity, so beaten down every single part of our bodies that so many of us have this image of God that is this, 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 this. I talked to someone who was from, who's not churched, notoriously not churched in our community. And he wanted to have a conversation. So we were talking outside Casey's and we talked. And I said, he asked me, you know why I don't go to church? I said, I have no clue. You know why I won't come to your church? I have no idea. He said, let me tell you. He said, X years ago, my wife and I got pregnant early. So you know what happened in the church I used to go to? We had to stand in front of the whole church. And we had to tell the whole church that we're stinking sinners. And we fornicated. And we had a baby. And we're sinners. And we're going to go to hell. And we're repenting all of you because we want you to let us back in the church. He said, I have never stepped inside a church again. I said, what's your image of God? He said, like that church. Let me ask you a question. As you and I live our lives, what image of God do we give to people who work with us, who live with us, who are on our teams, with whom we interact in the market or at the, at the gas station? You see, what we think about God is the single most important thing about how we live. So how, do, how does joy start? It starts by focusing on who this God is is. But you notice in Psalm 98. Now, let's go to Psalm 98. Let me take you through this, because this is just a blast. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. So the beauty of God is connected to here, what he has done. What has he done? His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known in his relationship with people and revealed his righteousness, his rightness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. He remembered his euphemism. Remember, he didn't forget. It's, it's focused on what he, has, what he has done. He has remembered his love. The word is hesed, loving kindness, and his faithfulness to Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Where? In the lives of God's people. Verse 4. So, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Why? Verses 1 through 3. Verse 5. Make music to the Lord with a harp, with a harp and the sound of singing, with the trumpets and the blast of a ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord. What's the next two words? The king, now look, at, look where this thing goes now. Let the sea resound and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Who, everyone and everything. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Slide three again, Jim, real quick. What's, what's joy? 
to delight in God for the beauty of who he is and what he does. Let them sing before the Lord. Why? For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with rightness and the peoples with equity. What song comes out of Psalm 98? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Right out of, and what's the joy? Because of who God is. What has he done? He's remembered his faithfulness and covenant. And what will he do? He will make all things right. And so they're singing, hey, earth, ocean, sky, everyone, rejoice, joy, joy, joy. Because the Lord is come. He came as a baby. He's coming as a king. Do you know who your God is? That's the source of your joy. The source of your joy is the beauty of who God is and what he's done. Do you understand that? Go back to Rick Warren's court, please. Look at what Rick Warren says to us. His son just commits suicide. And he writes, it is the settled assurance that the Lord Jesus is in control of my son's suicide. Let that run through your brain a little bit. What? Joy is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to turn out right. What? My son is dead. Joy is the determined choice to praise him in every situation. How can Rick and Kay Warren do that? Let me add some more to the story. Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. My understanding is, it, across the world, it has sold 56 million copies. You know how much money Rick Warren received for that book? You know how much he gave away? Almost all of it. The last thing I heard from friends that go to that church, he drives an old car, lives in the same old truck, lives in the same house they lived in when they moved to Southern California. So he lives a common life. He lost his son. He's been criticized all over the world for giving. You know where he gave most of his money? He gave most of his money to the continent of Africa. And he's criticized for giving all the money to the people in Africa. And this is what he says. How is that possible? He is struck with the beauty of who his God is. Remember, the next fruit of the Spirit is peace. I remember one time I was in a situation where he was there and he was being publicly attacked about a position on sexuality. And as he was attacked, people were getting all agitated. People in the crowd were going nuts. And I watched him just stand there with great quiet and peace. Wait until all the stuff was quiet. Things settled down. And he responded with such beauty because he is overcome with the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is almost always connected to the peace of the Lord. So we cultivate, we cultivate, we cultivate our character. How? Word filling. So someone said to me, I'm not a reader, what do I do? How about... Here they are in the bulletin. Here are the passages we're going to look at over these next weeks. Just have, read it. Someone read it to you or you read it. Let the words begin to fill you. Just words. Let me give you an example. 
Do you remember back in the day when Kirk died after Lane and I came back and we did a series on the 23rd Psalm? And we asked the congregation to memorize it. Let's see what happens. Ready? The Lord is my, I shall not. He makes me. He leads me. He, he guides me. Why? Even though I will for your, they, you, in the presence, you anoint my cup, surely, that's word filling. Several thousand people have memorized the 23rd Psalm. That's in us. So as the words are in us, and we ask the Spirit to fill us, word and spirit, then create the fruit. And wherever we go, people know we're disciples because they see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. That's how we flourish in exile. Amen? Let's pray. Would you ask the Lord to create two opportunities for you. Opportunity one, how might he invite you to have the words of scripture become a part of your life? Would you ask him, how, how could that be? What could you do? And now, even now, would you invite him to fill you once again with his spirit? That the words like Psalm 23 might fill you and his spirit of life and love might flow from you in beautiful ways. And then could you invite the Holy Spirit to begin to bear good fruit in your life? Would you invite him to have his way? And now, finally, would you ask the Lord to reveal to you this sometime in the next few days a time, a place, or a situation where you could bear the fruit of joy 
And as you bear that fruit, people would see the beauty of Jesus. So Lord, we pray that you'd give us a desire to have cultivated hearts. And today we pray you'd release from us and grant to us joy. Joy we can give to your world. We ask your blessing as we flourish. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.